0: Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me again for the new year of Business, The Law and you, Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we're going to have a look at our Harvard Business Review tip. This one is to show off your expertise with examples. We'll also be chatting with Christine a bit later on on planning your innovation for 2018. Right now, we're going to have a chat with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants. Good afternoon, Tony.
1: Good afternoon, Julian. Happy New Year,
0: although it feels like it's already halfway over. Well, that's right. It was the first of February today, so one month's gone.
1: Yeah, that's it. One down.
0: One down, two to several to go.
1: Yeah,
0: that's it. So uh, we're going to talk a bit about uh, taxing of cryptocurrencies, which was spoken a bit about yesterday in the news, and of course over the over the Christmas period, there's been quite a up and down of the cryptocurrencies. Maybe we should just quickly talk about what cryptocurrencies are.
1: Well, I have my own unique way of describing this. Now, it may not be the um, the, the absolute um, textbook definition of it, but um, the way I try and get my head around this uh, and explain it to uh, to others who can't quite get it is that it's to me it's a hybrid of um, shares, um, cash, gold, and even barter card. Do you remember um, barter card? Yeah. That whole barter card situation. So it's got it's got um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh specifications from from each one of those you know um, uh where where they it's difficult to try and understand you know how it fits in with all of those, except that it borrows a little bit from each of them so so if you were lucky enough if you're fortunate enough to, to jump in and we 'll talk about bitcoin um, specifically, there are quite a lot of cryptos, but we 'll talk about bitcoin specifically if you're lucky enough to buy in on one of those in uh, in the early days um, one one bitcoin the other day was worth about thirteen thousand dollars so it has the same characteristics of shares in that that in that you purchase them and they change in value so we have seen. Um, the news. The news loves to report bad news. So um, the value of a lot of cryptos dropped about fifteen or almost thirty percent. Mm. They don't report when they're going through the roof, uh, but they only, they only report the bad news when they've come down. So they've got the same characteristics as shares in that they go up and down. Now they also have. Let's just jump on the barter card for a moment. If you re- remember how the whole barter card system worked. I would say do your prepare your tax return. So rather than you paying me in money, of say $110, $100 plus GST, um, I'd get a credit on my um, barter card account. Mm. So I could then go out and purchase a pair of shoes for $90, um, and no no cash changes hands. Now the tax office, when barter cards first came out, they were very quick to point out that they don't accept. Um, barter card as payment for GST. So in that example, I've got to go and find that $10 in GST that I've collected from my other sources. um, And also I've got to declare the $100 um, as income and the $90 that I've paid for my shoes is private, so it's not um, deductible. Now, Bitcoin is similar to that in that, again, it's this virtual um, wallet. It's a virtual bank statement, for want of a better term, where you have a balance of Bitcoin. And let's say that we've got 100 um, Bitcoins and wh- this whole system is waiting for more and more vendors to, to jump on and to accept payment, um, payment for goods and services mm. in Bitcoins. That, to me, is the tipping point of this. That's where the crypto you know, currency will go absolutely um, berserk when more and more places start to accept those Bitcoins as um, for payment. Now, <clears throat> like... Like... Um, when something new comes on the market, say, and I'm, and I'm going to use now, jump over to Uber, um, a lot of people, and, and again, the tax office and governments get very fearful of anything that's new and innovative. If you remember what happened with Uber, the first thing that people tried to do was to get the government to shut it down, right? Mm-hmm. They yeah. pointed out every single negativity in it and they got it shut, they tried to get it shut down. Um clearly it's not shut down and it's now one of the most, you know, used apps around. Similar to, to what's happening overseas, where some countries are now trying to shut that down and say, no, we don't want to use this. Again, they're a little bit fearful of it. Our our own beloved Australian tax office, um, I think, have got a couple of things wrong in their um, view of cryptocurrency. One thing that I think they got spectacularly um, wrong and they they admit they kind of, well, they changed their approach and it's always code for, oh, yeah, we've thought about it our original position was wrong, is to do with GST. They didn't understand that... The cryptocurrencies are a currency. They first came out and said, "No, it's not money. Um, mm. We're not going to exempt it from from GST." And everything that you look at, it's just another form of currency. It's another form of uh, of income. It's another form of payment. It's another form of money, wealth. Anything that you want, you want to sort of attach a handle to. It, it forms, you know, fits all those mm. definitions. So interestingly, they they, they recently um, issued a ruling to say that from the first of um, July 2017. So last year, from that point on, GST will no longer apply to any cryptocurrency transactions. Well, mm-hmm. the harsh reality was it never really applied in the first place. If you, if you looked at it um, closely, um, now what the, the taxing of it, the income side of this is where it gets quite interesting. Now, again, the ATO um, made some noises to say, well, if you bought one Bitcoin for one dollar all those years ago, and today that's worth. Um, $13,000 um, we're going to tax that as income um, and quickly some people pointed out to say well how is that any different to buying some shares in BHP and seeing those go up in value and then they quickly backed off from that and said oh well no we'll only tax you when you cash in, cash um, in right? the Bitcoin well, which makes perfect sense you bought yeah. something for a dollar they increase in value and you cash it in um, Where, where I think again there's going to be a little bit of confusion around this is how that is actually going to be taxed. Now, a lot of people go straight to um, capital gains. It's going to get taxed as a as a capital gain, and capital gains is a better way of being taxed because, of course, if you've held the asset for more than 12 months, you get this uh, magical 50% discount on the gain that you make. Now, I'm in all my experience, I'm not entirely sure that that is going to be correct, um, that mm. it automatically applies because. When you hear about stories, Julian, like there was one guy who mortgaged his house a few years ago to buy mm. into cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. Now, yeah. that guy is a speculator. That guy is going into that transaction um, with a profit-making purpose, right? And there is no way that he would, should or would be able to get that 50% discount. To me, that is straight income. You're going in there as a, as a profit-making purpose. Now, again, going back to the characteristics of all those other ones, all these cryptocurrencies are different to shares because there's no regular dividend. It's like buying shares in one of those oil companies that are still digging, you know, doing maps and, and digging holes in the ground that might strike oil one day and the, and the share price will go through the roof. There's no regular income stream that is coming from these things. The only way you're going to make money on them is if you buy them, they go up in value and you sell them.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So compare that to someone who might have, say, you know, some, uh, money in term deposits and some cash and some property, and they buy some Bitcoin as well. And they hang on to it for twelve months. Sure, to me that's on on a capital account. But if you're into this sort of stuff, be very, very careful making the assumption um, that it's going to be on on capital account, because you might get a uh, might get a bit of a rude shock.
0: And I think uh, from the news on last night, the ATO is still quite confused about what they're going to do with it.
1: Well, I'll just. I a lovely segue into the next next part that they are incredibly confused over. And this is the part that I've scratched my head and I can't understand it, right? So they have had on their official um, ruling and an official documentation on their site to say that if the cost of the Bitcoin is less than $10,000 and you cash it in for some goods and services that are private, there's no taxing point. Mm, okay. Now, let that sink in for a minute, okay? So someone who bought $9,000 worth of Bitcoin that today's worth, you know, a, a $10 million, you're actually telling me that when they go and cash some of that in, so they go to a travel company and they say, listen, we want to go around the world, take the whole family, $50,000 trip. Um, do you accept Bitcoin? Yes, we do. Okay, so they pay in, how many Bitcoins would you need? Four Bitcoins, okay? Yeah. 13000 each, that's about right, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> They give them four bitcoins. You mean to say to me that the sale of those bitcoins that cost you a dollar and that it's worth $50,000 today
0: that's is not, not taxable?
1: That's not taxable? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 they are going to change their mind on that. That is just, so. to me such a spectacular fail in, in everything that we understand. It's like going to that travel company and saying, listen, I have a thousand BHP shares. Um, I'll give you a, a handful of those BHP shares. Yeah. And you don't pay any capital gains tax on the on the fact that you've, you've, um, you've moved those shares out of your name into somebody else's name. It makes no sense.
0: Sounds like an area we've got to keep an eye on over the next few months, doesn't it?
1: Well, I think, look, I think, in, in all honesty, you know, when I first saw this thing, I thought, oh, in fact, Warren Buffett came out initially and said, oh, this is just a passing fad. Um, I don't think it's a passing fad, but I'll go back to what I said. And, and again, I, we are not, you and I are not commenting on whether this is a good idea or not. No. Um, there's no advice in, in relation to whether people should or should not get into this sort of thing. But to me, the tipping point will be when more and more we'll businesses in involved. Australia, around the world, start to accept cryptocurrencies as, as money. payment for goods and services. That's, yeah. That to me will be the real tipping point of whether this, this thing will really um, become common knowledge like everything else.
0: Great. Well, thanks for your time today, Tony. We'll, have a chat, yeah. we'll chat again in the next month. We'll talk about something a bit simpler next time. Okay. Have a good
1: month. Good on you.
0: Thanks, Julian. Cheers. Tony Ridray there with, I certainly a very confusing area, isn't it? Good afternoon, Christina.
2: Good afternoon, Julian. And we will be talking about ideas this afternoon.
0: Yeah, planning for our innovation for 2018,
2: eh? Yeah. You know, and there's such easy, simple things that um, businesses, whether they're small businesses or large businesses, uh, can be on the lookout for simple skills that they can be utilising to find where gaps may be in the market, to find problems that may actually need solving from their from the consumer's point of view. So I thought we might just do. I've got I've got seven listed. We'll just see how far we get. Mm, yeah. um, and then I'd love to tell you about a, a, an innovation that actually um, came into effect because it looked at some of these things. So the first thing is to simply listen. So if you listen to what your client is saying and listen to the questions that they're most commonly asking, people don't ask questions unless they need reassurance or unless they can they can see some gap. They want to make sure that you can that you can fill the gap. If there's gaps when you're listening to these questions, that you go, you know what, we're, that actually isn't addressed, or in our industry it's not addressed, or even in someone else's industry it's not happening. Um, that's a prime prime point for innovation, watching people as you're talking to them. So if somebody grimaces or if they're, say, for example, if they're using uh, an app for the first time or they're testing your website or, you know, they're in in some interaction with you where you can watch them, any grimace, any slight grimace tells you a pain point. Now, Mm. often those pain points don't need um, you to do anything. It just needs uh, the users to figure out how how to move forward. But sometimes if that's a common place where people are grimacing with your product, then you need to have a look at it and see what you can do to actually improve it. And let's just remember that innovation doesn't have to be the next hoverboard. It can be, you know, innovation by definition is small, useful change. Hmm. The next thing that's really good for um, organisations is to, is to have a yes mentality rather than, a, no, we'll never do that, we can't do that. So it, yes mentality allows you to listen uh, with an open mind. So if somebody has an idea and they're... Happy to present their case for the idea, then really management, organisations, you know, boards, whoever they be, that the powers that be that make decisions should listen. It doesn't cost a lot of money in many cases to do an easy prototype. Sometimes you might give somebody a couple of hours uh, of time off and they can start writing a plan, figuring out what a prototype is, and then you can decide whether it's something that would be great to go forward with. Um, creating space, so kind of kind of in that area, creating space for people to think, you know, whether it's a mm. physical space or whether it's a time space. If we don't have time and space to think about how we might make improvements and for all those ideas, you know, for the joining of the dots where we see the problem, where we come up with a potential solution, um, that all happens in that downtime, in that space-time. Hiring for people who can learn rather than what people know, uh, it's really important that that people have a learning mentality rather than, I know everything mentality and also for businesses to not assume that they've got everything in place um, to progress their business. If we hire people because they're good learners, we can actually learn off them because they'll bring different things into the organisation. And when you're hiring, kind of carrying on from that, the first three months with a new hire are gold because that new hire sees things with the eyes of a traveller. Yeah, well, and they do. You know, they they're excited to be there. They wouldn't have applied for the job if they didn't want to work with you, theoretically. Um, and but they see they can start seeing gaps, and they're not entrenched in the way things are done, so they can see different ways. Um, and the other the the last thing that I um, would like to mention is keep an ideas book or an ideas board or somewhere where you can when you have that idea you can jot it down. You know, some people do it in their phone on a on a notebook page. Some people carry a tiny little book with them some people don't do anything and they just let the ideas float around in their head and then they kind of evaporate and, you know, the little idea fairy goes and sits on someone else's shoulder. Um, So really simple things that we can do to be on the lookout for where our business processes, products or new products, um, you know, can we can come up with the ideas and then start joining the dots and then start forming action plans as to how they might go forward.
1: Okay,
0: that's fantastic. And I'm afraid we've run out of time, so we'll use the example next week, hey?
2: That'd be great. I look forward to talking to you
0: again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a great week.
2: Bye.
0: We've got time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips, which was show off your expertise with examples. Many people shy away from self-promotion because they don't want to seem like a jerk. It doesn't have to be that way. Try demonstrating your expertise with stories, not words. Saying, I'm great at pitching investors sounds pretty egotistical. Sharing a compelling tale of how you rounded up a seed funding allows others to deduce your skill without having to make it explicit. Just don't hog the spotlight. If you're at a party and the talk turns, turns to startups, ups you should mention that you've launched one and share the story of your pitch. But if you're visibly straining to steer the conversation in your direction, people will be turned off. And when you're promoting yourself, it's essential to express humility. Be sensitive to the fact that some accomplishments may make others feel jealous or inadequate. And always credit others when it's due. It's a bit of good advice there. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour for the first program of 2018. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, John Slaven will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to talk with Craig McGregor from the Hunter Recruitment Group about the Maitland Chamber Uh, For 2018, we'll have our minute on innovation with Christina and some more business uh, business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Plato once said, reality is created by the mind. We can change our reality by changing our mind.